listening to the AntsMarching.org podcast, the new brand of AM radio. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to episode 49 of the AntsMarching.org podcast. I am Matt. With me are Jake and Joe, as I won't say always, I'll say usual. Uh, gentlemen, how are you? Jake? I, I am I am well here in um, extraordinarily hot and humid Florida. Are you drinking anything? I, I am drinking uh, something, and you're going to be very disappointed, but it's delicious. I'm having a Diet A&W root beer with, made with real vanilla. And let me tell you, it is freaking awesome. Because the reason I'm having this is because when I was in Naples a couple weeks ago, uh, Jason, who was all of our friends and also makes the shirts for ants, gave me a beer that was called Not Your Father's Root Beer. I am drinking that right now. You're Are kidding. you really? I am. <laughs> That no. is the greatest thing I've ever had in my life, yeah. and I'm I, I wanted that so badly that I said, you know what, I'm gonna have a root beer because I got some root beer laying around because that is the greatest thing I've ever had. Uh, You're really drinking that, man? I promise you, I'm drinking that right now. I was and when he said he's having an ANW, I got excited because I wanted to drop that on him, but he stole my thunder. <laughs> wow, that was completely not planned. How funny is that? That was wow. nice. That was nice. Well, what about you? You guys are gonna be really blown when I tell you I'm drinking the same thing. Yeah, no, whatever. I'm not. No, okay. actually, I got some wine sent to me from an aunt, so I am drinking the wine that was sent to me uh, for you the mean, podcast. Wait, wait. You mean like the ones that marry an uncle or a person of ants marching? Yes, a, per- a person of ants marching. A person That's of ants marching nice. sent me wine. Did you guys get? Did you guys get uh, wine too? Uh, no, I don't think so. Oh, I guess I'm just special. Um, uh, Crush Live sent it to me, Brad on the boards, um, from his winery, uh, Adirondack Winery. Uh, he's, I'm drinking a red, a red wine from there. So I'm gonna have a glass while you guys drink your, uh, what is it, root beer? Yeah. the The best thing about this beer is you're supposed to. I mean, I think the best way to drink it's over ice. There you go. I really hope that was a. Gla- I hope you didn't bring us to the to the men's room, Jake. Cause that, was really, <laughs> that was a pretty weak trickle, by the way. Now, time to pour the wine. <laughs> um, or or drink it over uh, ice cream as well. Mm. Is nice. uh, I, I've I've heard it's good with ice cream. I just had it um, in a frosted mug, yeah. and it was delicious. That'll get you there. It was absolutely delicious. Well, okay. Anyway, so. <laughs> So, uh, welcome to the drinking podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm more than happy to talk about that, though. But uh, no, we had uh, we've had um, uh, we got six or seven shows since uh, we last chatted, and Joe went to nine of them. <laughs> no, I did not go to nine. But you did, did go, go to, to a, a handful. Chunk, right? I did go to a handful. I was almost dragged to a couple more, and uh, you out there know who almost dragged me to more. But I was able to. Successfully hold that off. So I just went to Riverbend and um, Pittsburgh um, for this last ring round. Pittsburgh being my hometown show, so um, I had to help bring some of the tailgate stuff for once, as opposed to um, just uh, riding along on everybody else's tailgates in the different cities. So um, yeah, good times. I think Riverbend was the first show after since the last time we potted. I don't. I think that was the next one from when we last potted. So. Yeah, Riverbend was a pretty good show. I liked it. It was actually, if you guys know Riverbend, it's right along the Ohio River, and it's always it's kind of sunk down too. And it is usually is it, uh, is it near the bend? It it is by the bend where the river bends. It sounds like a Dave lyric, actually. Um, it's usually super muggy and super hot and very unpleasurable. Um, Actually, it rained a little bit earlier in the day, and then there was like a nice breeze going by. It was probably the most comfortable I've ever been at Riverbend. It was actually bearable. Um, made the show that much better, actually. So it was a, actually a really good show. And I probably would argue that of the stretch of shows, it probably was going to be um, one of the better from this next set of shows. But then, then, but then Hartford kind of snuck up there and kind of, kind of threw things into a wrench a little bit. So, but yeah, uh, Riverbend was a good time. Well, well, not to jump ahead, just because I happen to be listening to the Hartford show uh, today. Um, that Hartford show is really, really good. I haven't heard it yet, but the set list looked good. It was, it was really, really good. But back to, uh, back to Riverbend. So, um, as always, 
Cincinnati gets Halloween. What's up? With yeah, that? I know. I mean, this Halloween, I would say maybe not as dramatic as some of the other Halloweens because Cincinnati can get Halloween when nobody else on the tour is getting Halloween. Um, so we've had a couple of Halloweens already this year. So it, it, it's not unique in that sense, but it is crazy that for once again, Cincinnati continues to get Halloween, which um, I went to the show with a buddy that lives in Cincinnati and that's the only shows he ever goes to. And he, to him, like Halloween is like an every everyday occurrence because he's like he gets it all the time. And I'm like trying to explain to him, like, no, you don't really, you don't really get it. Halloween, you got you, you're getting good songs every time. So um, a little bit under, you know, some people I think didn't expect it because it was, you know, in the encore and they play ants. You know, those that have been following the band know that um, they have the tendency now to go into Halloween after ants. But you could definitely tell. A lot of people were pumped and excited when they when they pulled it out. Remember, um, I can't remember who said it or if it was just rumored to be said or confirmed. Didn't one of the band members say they go back and look at venue songs played? Absolutely, yeah. So yeah. I, they don't. They've they've started to share more and more of that. I yeah. think I think that's total bullshit. I don't think they give a second thought to it. No, they definitely well, do. Suppose. Supposedly they do, and Dave went into it. I think, if I'm not mistaken, it was it was during the um, 2010 documentary, which I think they entitled "Hello Again." That was the one that our good friend Sam did, the guy who did the um, big whiskey videos. Um, I believe that that was something Dave mentioned. In fact, there was a scene from West Palm Beach where he was flipping through a, a little book with a list of songs, looking at stuff that had been played previously. So I think there's actual video documentation of it. I'm not saying they've never done it, but I would be surprised if they gave half a hoot about it on any given night. No, I I really, I really, I don't think so. Why are they playing Halloween every time at Riverbend? I think that's just the odds. They're just randomly, and it just so happens. No, why would they play? Why would they not mix it up? Is my point. That's the point of it, right? Not to repeat yourself. But there could be a let's connection to Halloween and, and, and Cincinnati that we don't know. Oh, right. Right. Well, let, let's, go, let's go back a little bit, though, guys. Remember, go all the way back to, to 2008. And this is where the Halloween chant happened. The Halloween that's on the warehouse disc from probably three or four years ago or whatever it was. The one where the crowd's chanting Halloween. Halloween, Halloween. It was a show where Jeff had a previous engagement. Uh, Roy uh, was, uh, was obviously injured. And this is before he passed, obviously. Um, but he was injured and not playing. So they played the entire show without a saxophonist. And supposedly some fans got together and figured out what could be played without a saxophonist. And they decided that Halloween was one of them. So at one point during the show, <clears throat> a large group of fans started chanting Halloween. It kind of caught on with the crowd, picked up. The band started every day and then switched immediately into Halloween. And Dave sang a really kind of weird version of it. And then they jumped into water, into wine, and the crowd chanted, thank you, thank you, thank you, afterwards, which is also And I remember that. Maybe and it's, I, it's a little, it's a little said, payback. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it, it, it's not like, um, like Hartford, where they chant two-step oh, uh, every, at, at every single show. Even, yeah, yeah, like they play at night one and then people still chant it for night two or they'll even chant it on the same day no, after they, it's already they, played. They play it and they keep chanting it after that. <laughs> exactly. Um, it's not like at Cincy, they're not they're not chanting for Halloween. You know, I'm sure there's a little bit of it, but it's not like a big mass. I think, I think uh, you know, there's there could be that connection or just some other connection, kind of like what we were talking about in the previous pods with Beach Ball seems to always come out Texas. in Texas. And I, um, I think it's totally random. It's not random. And Riverbend has had 21 shows played at it, and Halloween's been played four times. So it's a recent thing. It is recent. Right, but it's been played four times since 2008. Okay, four times in seven years. That's not a pattern. You you go four for seven in a game, I'll tell you what, you're doing pretty good. No, that, that's talking about Joe's a tour attendance. <laughs> four for seven on Halloween. I mean, that's that's definitely a pattern. That's definitely unique. Um, if, I, if I could get four Halloweens for every seven shows I go to, I would be a incredibly happy camper. And that's my buddy that lives in Cincinnati. So that's a, if you want to talk to him, I can I can arrange that. But I, I, back to the original point. Does I, we know for a fact? I think it's Lawler or one of the guys. They print out the previous three years of shows. And um, and then also the the last couple nights worth of shows, and you, we have pictures 
of them, Dave with his little book, notebook, writing the set yeah. for the day, and you see the other years right there on the table that, that he can compare and look at. I got to agree. That wasn't a documentary. Then again, Carter felt more professional during every day, too. So we know they always tell the truth. Oh, like, like, <laughs> yeah, like they don't have to do, put the marketing hat on sometimes. Well... You're, you can't use that argument that Carter had to make a comment in an everyday marketing thing that the band doesn't look at past uh, shows to set, you, make their set you, list. You don't think that kind of um, inside comment about set list building has anything to do with marketing their live sets? Give me a break. It's exactly what it is. I, it, is, I, it, is it is some marketing, but I actually, maybe that I'm duped because I, I truly believe. <laughs> and, and I think the set, the set list game people, people play the set list game, I think that is the art of the setlist game, is understanding the past shows that played oh, there yeah. that year, and Definitely. then and and I and I think anybody that's in the top fifty of the setlist game would tell you um, that they could see that they're looking at past shows. That might be an, an idea. Interviewing one of the um, per, you know, the perpetual uh, juggernauts of the setlist game who seems to do well most every year. Yeah, there's we have look. There are a couple of those that seem to be in the top uh, ten every year. I just want a side note, Joe. I did check on dictionary.com. Unpleasurable is actually a word. So kudos. <laughs> I had my doubts, and I had I had to check it. <laughs> Since the last podcast, when you were schooling me, I, I've been I've been studying. <laughs> That's good to know. Um, d- Joe, did you go to the New Jersey show? Um, with I didn't Warren. Go. No, gosh. I wish I freaking love Warren, but no, I did not make it to that. Okay, so you love Warren, so you're thinking, well, if I go to that show, I'm probably going to get Cortez, which is, is kind of cool. Although yeah. it was 21 minutes, but that's beside the point. What do you, so when he comes out on, I'm that's okay a bad thing that. or a good thing? Okay what are you that. saying? I think that I, I I I think it I think the jam went on a little bit long. Oh my gosh! I mean, so for good. for as often as you hear that song, whatever. I, I agree. It's not, like I mean, a, I, it's I, not like a redundant jam either. I mean, it is creative throughout the entire time. Yeah, it wasn't my favorite Cortez I've heard. Um, well, that's because you're parcel to the West Palm Beach Cortez. I, I am. That's true. But I like the, uh, you know, I like, I even like the one from, uh, I just, oh, the couple years ago, uh, Gorge. The Gorge one was pretty good. Mm. They did the, um, they did the um, streaming video. Mm-hmm. pay-per-view thing i thought that was a good one but anyway my point is so here comes warren out on stage you're like okay this is gonna be cool you know i'm gonna get cortez maybe even get two songs and then all of a sudden you hear stefan start playing that that little bass rhythm he plays to yeah that one <laughs> um could, could, could that be just the worst use of a guest in a long time. It's a big fake. I mean, I would have, my jaw would have dropped to see that. We'd like to bring out one of our friends, uh, Warren Haynes. Play with us on a song here. And then, yeah, Stefan goes into that. I, my jaw would have dropped. I would not have expected that. I, I just was. They're trolling. I, it, it was. <laughs> I just was. I, I was, I was surprised and I felt bad for people. I don't know. I feel like maybe it was like, uh, Fonzie was sitting there begging, please, please, I've always wanted him to play on one of my songs that I've kind of helped write. Please, please, please. And uh, finally gave in. Yeah, I would just oh, kind St- of be Oh, Stefan wrote that? I think, he, I mean. Well, it's, his, it's his bass line, I mean. It's his ba- it just seems like if, you, if you're going to have like a little nugget that you're going to build the song around, it was that bass line. And I doubt anybody else in the band wrote that bass line. Oof, man, that is Loving Wings level. <laughs> uh, you know it's it's funny i was i was um there was something that uh, somebody was looking for one an old column and um when i was looking through there i found something from 2006 when can't stop first came about and i noticed that i was much kinder on it at the time and i was wondering if that's because whenever i hear a new song i'm kind of lenient on it a little bit because I, I know that songs are going to change not quick to judge. Yeah, for the most part, I'm I'm, re- I'm really not. I, I I try to give them a chance to to change, and although they put a guitar part into it, I don't think Can't Stop has improved 
or changed much at all. And that leads me to my next question, which would be to you, Joe. And I think Matt, you've heard them too, mm. is there's two other songs that just kind of popped up. Nice segue. That would be, nice. You like that? I'm a pro. Uh, <laughs> that would be Virginia in the rain and death on the high seas. Um, so what do you think about the two prepositional phrased songs, Joe? <laughs> um, I, w- not hearing them in person. Um, you know, I, I, I feel like I need, you have to hear them in person really to get a full, a full thing. There's a lot of references to people comparing them to radio, well, you know, one of them to Radiohead because of the, the things. I mean, one I think sounds a lot like Pyramid Song from them. I, oh, oh, first reaction they're both very chill, very quiet. And, um, you know, that's, it, uh, I was hoping for some upbeat stuff. So just hearing I'm kind of chill and quiet. Eh. But I will say out of, from Be Yourself and uh, Black and Bluebird, that these are like in another higher league level than those. These are, these seem like songs to me versus the other ones, my opinion. Um, now, I really want to hear them live to get a judge. And I guess we've, I kind of have heard Death on the High Seas because it's been making some, I guess, some partial appearances throughout the year, I guess, right? Is that right before right. Out of My Hands? Um, yes. what, what, how far back does that go? Um, I think Atlanta was the first. Yeah. So I, I have to. That's a tease. First tease is Atlanta. Take a real. And then. Uh... And you were at the Atlanta show, right? Uh, they teased it, it at was, Orange um, Beach. I was, yes. And they teased it that was at the one uh, I... Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that, I actually took a video of it, or at least I thought I took a video of it, but apparently I don't know how to work uh, Instagram too well, so I didn't actually record it. That's beside the point. Um, it's interesting. That's the one that Dave did <laughs> on his little Tumblr page, the the Death in the High Seas. He, he recorded it, I guess, about a year ago or so. But and, did he, did he actually – he talked about it on his Tumblr page, but did he actually share any of it? I, I thought he did. I thought there was a little um, piano clip of it. I think the piano clip's of a different song. Maybe I'm getting them mixed up. Um, now you're going to make me double-check. But I know he definitely talked about, hey, I'm working on a little song and um, Death in the High Seas. But then I think the piano clip was um, a little different song. I'll have to double-check. Well, Matt, I have this question for you. What do you think about Dave playing piano? Just period. Uh, it hasn't been a wonderful experiment thus far. Uh, Mercy, right? Um, right. What's the other one? Out of my hands. The uh, oh, boo, John, John Kerry lost song. Yeah. Um, terribly boring. And then, and then you've got the two new ones, which both are on piano: Virginia in the Rain and. Right. Uh, well, yeah, one's on a synthesizer, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. It's it's keyboards. The synthesizer. Yes. Synthesizer. Um, I'm I'm not like hey Dave wants to try like playing on a piano. Fine, he's a musician. Cool. Um, so I won't like damn him based on out of my hands and mercy up to that point, right? Um, I only heard the songs on a YouTube recording, so again, um, from far away and not all that good quality. So it's kind of tough to hear. Um. I find it odd that they that they road test these kind of slow songs just out of the blue at a tour. I guess how else do you do it, right? How did the Stone get popular? How did Crash get popular, right? Um, but it's still weird, kind of. You never get any crowd reaction at all. Everyone's just kind of standing around talking. Um, I, I'm I'm with Joe. I'm I'm anxious to hear where it goes. Uh, and again, the, I'm I'm I might be a little different. You know, I, we've talked about this before, but I really like the studio recordings that the band has done. Um, like I really, you know, you get the best sound quality and um, everything's nice and tight. And you get all that layering that can be done with production and the producer. Um, so songs like that, I really look forward to hearing the studio version because I really hope they add a lot of depth to it. And uh, a slower Radiohead-ish kind of song is right. Like Pyramid Song is what got me. On, believe it or not, I missed the boat on OK Computer. Pyramid Song is the song that broke me into Radiohead. That is the one. So if they're if they're going down that road, I'm OK with it all the way. Yeah. Do you think that you are kind of like me where you're more forgiving on a live song on its first couple plays? Or oh, yeah. Are you more oh, no, no. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't put 
much stock into it at all. That's the only re- that's the reason I haven't I've only listened to it once, both of them, because if I try to analyze too much on a shitty YouTube recording, I'm just going to get frustrated. It's going to reflect on the song, and I'm going to be the hell of it. So I'll, I'll wait right. till you know I'll wait till they've settled in a little bit. Um, I was the same way because when uh, the first thing that came out was the YouTube videos, and I actually intentionally like I just don't want to hear it for the first time through a YouTube video. Like I will wait. And so it actually, I waited for the tapers, and thank you for the tapers for for putting some um, tapes out. It uh, had to wait, um, you know, the mandatory two weeks took a, took a little bit of time, and got no problem waiting. Um, but that's what I really wanted to be my first listen was from you know from a taper quality and not from somebody's cell phone, just to give it, just to not be thrown off by um, that quality issue. And even then, I want to hear it live to really before I feel like I can judge it because. Um, there's just a different experience we can see it live. You, you know, side note, thanks for the support on that show. But uh, my God, I don't think I've ever been on Tumblr, so I just I didn't know Dave had a Tumblr. Now that you mentioned it, it rings a bell. What the hell am I looking at? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's. <laughs> You're looking at the inside of Dave's head. I'm looking at a Tumblr blog. I think is what I'm looking at. Like that's a pretty scatter shot. Um, I could take swipes at his politics on it, but you know what? Hey. He wants to put a blog up and be political. That's cool. That's but, cool. yeah, it's kind of interesting. It's, it's, it's a lot of random it's stuff. Unique, unique it is random stuff. I mean, sometimes, and then every once in a while, there's a little, there's a little gem in there of uh, a play a little, little song, um, a little, little tease of something, or he'll do a little interview, mm-hmm. and um, and you'll hear something. But then, yeah, there's definitely a lot of uh, monkeys dancing and. Yeah. Oh, I, wonder, I wonder if they're going to leverage uh, Apple Music's uh, Connect feature, the Artist Connect. I think so because if you remember, Apple tried to get into the social music space a while back. I forget what they called it, but ping, it was, ping, yes, wow, good one, yeah. Oh, get interaction with iTunes, and that's going to be the future of artists relating, getting, spreading stuff out. And actually, Dave Matthews Band was like announced as one of the major people that would do something with it. That's right. Nothing came from it. It was zero. Is the biggest flop in the world. Yeah. I, I'm sure they're going to want to use it. You know, they're probably some you know marketing API can tie into their content distribution. So when they put, upload a video to YouTube, it just goes to um, you know Apple's new thing too. But I, I wouldn't expect anything extra special from it in my experience. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see though. I mean, they've they've partnered with um, I can't remember the company, but the uh, Jeez, what am I talking about? You know the the guitar hero for the iPhone. What was it called? Tap Tap, right? Mm, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they they were, that was that was really a really great use of media. I think really creative, um, really cool kind of thing to do. So uh, they they have the they've been on somewhat the forefront of the the like, digital media involvement. I mean, you got to give them credit for that. Yeah, I wonder if the, if you know, if you look back, I feel like the Ping one was related to. They kind of had a new album coming out at the same time Ping was going, so worked out good. I want to feel like. I wonder if that's the same the same case with Tap Tap. I can't remember. Um, and maybe, I don't remember any of these things. Oh yeah, I, I, <laughs> I have no idea what you guys are talking about. You can remember us. You can tell us like the uh, fourth time the Stone was played, but you can't remember that <laughs> that Ping Ping was played. So I don't know. Maybe um, maybe if there's a new album coming, um, maybe they use maybe they do a little cross promotion with uh, Apple Music, and maybe we do get something. That'd be cool. Cool. Hey, listen, we're going to take a quick break here. We're going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit more about songs that maybe we didn't care for to begin with and then grown to like. Songs that have developed, kind of changed around the way. And uh, so go ahead. Ontario. Uh, Ontario. That was the fourth uh, <laughs> Now that was a nine sequitur right there. You had a brain fart on that one. <laughs> I, just, uh, I, I was getting, I was thinking Moose Jaw. No, it's not Moose Jaw. Jake was lagging worse than his Android phone on that one. <laughs> All right. Everyone, go go hit the bathroom. Go get a uh, Not Your Father's Root Beer. It's maybe something uh, equivalent. And uh, we'll be back just in a minute.
welcome back to the Ants Marching Network podcast. I'm Matt. I'm here with Joe and Jake. Uh, like we said before we took the break, uh, we're going to talk about a little bit of um, the songs that maybe kind of came out of the gate slow and uh, and improved over the time. Not exactly your um, your American Pharaoh wire to wire or or close enough. How about that, Jake? You did call that, by the way. I did call that. Yes, I did. And I, I did call I, that. I, I, completely directly contradicted you and i remember that that day <laughs> that's okay i forgive you it kind of ruined my experience of seeing a triple crown the first time in my lifetime uh, <laughs> that way because because it, it was what you bet against joe was right or jake was right i mean yeah yeah, yeah. It, it, it blunted you know, a little bit you know what the worst part about that is that's the fourth in my lifetime wow that's that's how old i am mm. <laughs> now i'm depressed yeah. Right, can we move yeah. on? Jeez. Sure we can. Okay. So uh, we we had took a few notes here. Songs that started off generally disliked or not maybe disliked is too firm. Just nothing special and then got to become favorites. Now, I see Raven and You Might Die Trying here listed and I will agree. I remember well first of all, you got Raven. What well, uh what our first listen was uh Did Lily White Sessions leak before that tour or after? After, right? It leaked after. Okay, yeah. The the the, the I remember the tour. The song was just kind of slow, a little odd, but really came around. Especially the mumbling, right? He didn't have any set lyrics, which I think set lyrics really make that song. And when he was mumbling around, it was just kind of a depressing, aimless song. Uh, I love Raven now, and it is actually, in my opinion, probably the only song on Busted Stuff that was actually improved. No, no, one of the two songs on Busted Stuff that were improved. From the uh, Lily White session version, those two songs being Raven, of course, and uh, Kit Kat. Other th- other than that, busted stuff in my opinion was a super rushed two week studio session money grab kind of satisfy the label thing. Um, but Raven, I thought was much improved. Uh, I just I love the set lyrics. I love I love his the use of his voice on that song and where he goes with it. Uh, really like emotional payoff song that that final that final chorus is great um love raven and i'm still going here i'll i'll, I'll, I'll kick it to you guys in a minute but i'm on a roll here so die trying um i remember when they put out clips from that album from stand up and they were like releasing little 30 second clips on like i don't know if twitter wasn't around back then but wherever they were putting them out and they were rough cuts they were like pre-production versions of the songs and I'm not kidding you. You Might Die Trying sounded like an 8-bit Nintendo soundtrack at that point. Do you remember that? It was it was not good. That sound wasn't good. And actually, about the first year of it being live wasn't good. And now fast forward to uh, Hartford, and it actually was the encore song. So that song's come a long way. That's a good point. Hmm. That end of that song, though, that if you give, you begin. I love that part. That Even though the organized uh, Go West horn section breaks in and does their thing towards the end of it. I still like it. It's it's really... I, I think that song went from a bathroom break song in 2005, 2006 to people being happy that it's played. And, and I think that's, that's a testament to the band constantly changing and, and twisting the songs to try to meld it into something that works. It's a great example of that. So that what are we're talking about now? Songs that just weren't there, and then I agree with you, Jake. I love the song, and I'd be I wouldn't mind to see it in an encore. Quite honestly, I can. I'm, I'm not. It's not a. I, I, although personally, I've seen it way too much. I just I've just seen that song so much, it almost drives me nuts. But I, I don't have a problem with it. It it doesn't offend me. So I like it. And I like the fact that people like it, which is good. What about you, Joe? About you, you might die trying. Well, that or anything else you got in your mind. Well, I was while you guys were talking, I was actually trying to think. I mean, I'm having a hard time thinking what's kind of gotten better. Um, I I kind of feel like I got a controversial one that has gotten worse. I, I kind of pick Gray Street has gotten worse. I kind of like. I don't. The, yeah, I don't disagree. Okay, I, I thought maybe people would. I thought you might disagree with me on it because, I mean, I, I really like the old Gray Street. It's still a killer song. Don't get me wrong. I love love seeing Gray Street, but I think um, I think it was a little bit better back when it first came out. I don't think you'd find a lot of people disagreeing with you. 
I mean, oh, okay. I, no, mean, I don't know. Oh, maybe I was on. And the verse, too, right? That's going to be an easy crush to lean on for any of that criticism and saying, well, play that friggin' third verse. Yeah. Um, another one, I think, it, we're all, we're all the same line. Listen to how many of these are falling onto either better or worse, uh, the Lily White session uh, angle. I, I just put it up as Jake was uh, writing in the doc as well. Um, Big Eyed Fish has gotten massively worse. It is a glorified intro to Bartender now. Where that, that is tremendous. Call. I, I've talked about this too, I think, but but that that Lily White version, Boyd Boyd's got that that violin. He's just way 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 right at the end of that, and it's just emo. It's freaking heartbreaking in that in that um in that version. And now busted stuff, and he goes pluck 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 pluck, and it's just shitty. It's god awful actually, and it, it really makes me angry because the song was so gorgeous and haunting and beautiful, and it's been turned into this bullshit intro. Yep. The, the only thing that I'll, I'll give it a little bit of credit for in just the last two tours is it's being used less as an intro or a seg. However, I agree with you uh, on pretty much every point, and especially in the fact that what it was in the Lily White session, which was so powerful and moving to what it became now, is is essentially two totally different hey, songs. Hey, but he says, monkey, chase you up your fucking tree. So that gets a big cheer from everyone. Yeah, exactly. It's another, don't get me started on what you are God. with that. Oh, my God. He said an F-bomb. He said Yay. the F-word. Yeah. Bros. Oh, it's so powerful. Friggin' bros. Uh, <laughs> let me throw out one real quick and see where you guys go on this. And, and this is a song that's sort of fallen by the wayside a, a little bit. It's, it's almost forgotten. But when Break Free first came out in 2007, had that powerful outro, uh, Rashawn was really driving it. I thought it was a fun song. I thought it had something there. When they brought it back in 2011, they got rid of the outro, and they brought it back in 2013, and they got rid of the outro. That was the best part of the song. It seemed like they took the best part and got rid of it. It didn't make any sense to mm. me. That yeah, I that, would take take the old one back. Yeah, that was never one of my yeah. favorites. So anyway, though that whole block of 06 songs were kind of weird. So many people want. That. I mean, those are like some of the top requested songs, at least from. Stuff that I'm hearing, well, like, like ID of You and Joyride, they all kind of stink. I think uh, people want. They, I'll they, take Sugar Will. Yeah. See, I mean, Idea of You, I think, is another one that got a lot worse. I mean, when it first came out, it was the lyrics were so creepy that it was great. <laughs> I mean, it was. I mean, it was an old man sitting on a porch watching a, a young girl. Young girl, you can decide whatever age you want. For younger or reasons. older than you, Jake. Yeah, exactly. I just want to know. I just want to play. How many? It. How many? Uh, how many triple crowns have we seen? <laughs> We're talking about a guy who's seen like all of them. Oh, but I mean, it was it was creepy. And then I guess I don't know what happened. But then Dave decided it was about him and his babysitter that he had a crush on, which was not any part of what the song originally was. And it sort of was like, yeah, it was better when it was those creepy. Lines, it gets scary. Yeah. Yeah. One. One more. Just real quick, uh, good good time. Better getting better, getting worse. Are, are we going to call that a song and not just a jam? Yeah. Hmm. I I got a feeling I'm in the in the vast minority on this, but I think it's better now than it was back in 2004. Thang. Thang. Yeah, that whole That's what it was that called. whole run in in oh well that was its debut, but. That whole thing in 04, and I know everybody loves the one, and there was one on the warehouse disc a couple years ago that everybody loves um, from uh, from Hershey, but I think it's better now. I think it's better short and sweet and get in and out of it. I like it better that way. I like the old one. I had a feeling. Yeah, I'm, but I'm, I know I'm in the minor. I know people love it, and I've never really been, been that crazy about it. When's the last time it was played? Uh, last year. It hasn't been played this year yet. Uh, I don't really so, have an opinion. Yeah. I think it's a jam. I don't think it's much of a song. Then again, I could say the same thing for Can't Stop, right? Right. I, I Would you say, do you think it's fair to say, like I said earlier, that essentially Can't Stop hasn't gotten better or worse? It's just there. Yeah, yeah. And yes. I like Good Go Time. And, I mean, I have a favorable opinion of it, for sure. I think it's a really cool... Really cool uh, riff, and yet something I can play on my guitar, too. <laughs> Makes you feel good. It's fun, yeah. It's a lot of fun. <sighs> I would I would put Can't Stop and Mercy kind of in that, that same 
realm that they essentially exist and that's all there is Gau- to them. Gaucho. Just, yeah, Gaucho too. I mean, you know, you could you could say that it's better without the kids singing on it, but I, I don't think that song ever became what the band thought it was going to be and it never will. You're not going to hear the crowd going crazy at the end wanting to sing along with it. Yep. It just it because just didn't work. Sometimes con- things con- work, sometimes they don't. Contrite, you can't be well. Forced contrite utopian messages exactly. don't work, is that what you're saying? You can't be forced, exactly. It's it's like the old interview with uh, Mark Baston when he was talking about stand up and he said, you know, I have this vision in my head of everybody in the crowd singing along to stand up. Was that stand when up. was that when I was talking to him? <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if that was the interview or, or if it was somewhere else. He said that. That was funny. That... I remember thinking, oh, if man. you wrote that song thinking that was going to happen, you don't. Like, <laughs> it's so fu- it's so funny you bring him up because just the other day. I was going through cleaning up my my DMB music, and I ran into the Carter and Batson um, little piano snare drum, and I was like, "What? What's up with that guy? What, what's?" I had to I searched Google to say like, "What is he even doing?" I haven't <laughs> even heard of this guy anymore. And um, the first thing that popped up was just like his Instagram that he's taken like two pictures. I have no idea what he does anymore. If he's like produced an album since or not. That interview is so, so we funny. Follow him on Instagram. We should follow him. Maybe our one, our one, our aunt's is one um, follower. Or I, one, one person. I, we I did that interview from during a lunch break from my office, and I had a flip phone because this is 05. and I had a computer headset. So it was, it was a little like a microphone, but it was one of the earpieces. So I wrapped it over my ear, and it had a tiny little microphone on it. And I literally took a rubber band. And I screwed the microphone, uh, or I put the microphone against the phone, rubber banded the microphone to the earpiece so I could hold it up to my ear and I would hear it and the microphone would pick it up. And that's how I interviewed him and I recorded it and then I transcribed it <laughs> later. And I still have that audio floating around somewhere. I'm sure that's the only interview he's done where somebody had a microphone taped to a cell phone. It worked. <laughs> I think we transcribed it and then I think we released the audio later too. Yeah, just so people didn't think we were making it up. Well, it's it's actually on the server somewhere, so it's there. It's there. Yep. So you want to hear it? <laughs> Reminisce. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what now, boys? Uh, we already talked about Warren on Can't Stop. Yeah. Um, all right. So, well, we, go ahead. I was just going to say, do you want to just mention since they're on a break before we take a break? You want to talk about the first half, kind of who's stood out band wise? Yeah. Yeah. The MVP of the first leg, so to speak. Ooh, we're gonna give an MVP. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I'll kick it right back to you, Jake. Uh, I'm gonna um, pick someone that I don't think gets a lot of credit for, and uh, except when he's retweeting stuff that we tweet out, and that would be uh, our good friend Stefan. And Stefan is almost forgotten, I think, sometimes because <laughs> he's the bassist. I, and I think that people kind of take for granted that the bass is going to sound like the bass and essentially the drums are going to sound like the drums for the most part, although Carter wow. is God and everything. But Stefan drums sound like sounded, drums. That's a novel concept. Mm. Yeah, you like that. Mm-hmm. But I think Stefan has been very, very good this year. And if you uh, listen to some of the acoustic shows, some of the fan recordings from the acoustic shows, you're going to hear him really, really stand out on some of the recordings where it just, he's just really making everything sound so good in the acoustic sets that I think it's time that we give him a little credit. All right. All right. So you're giving him uh, the Jake MVP for the, for the first break. (laughs) I do. I I'm very pleased with the sound that uh, Stefan has been playing this year. He's played some really good stuff. I have to give, I mean, some of, I, I really have dig some of the stuff he's coming up with some of the new stuff his intros that he's done he kind of faked everybody out a couple times with or at least one time with you know playing a watchtower intro and then going into crush so i think he's um he's got the creative juices going i think he's good but i'm sorry he is not my mvp my mvp goes to boyd tinsley i think he is absolutely killing it this year like like just to think a couple years ago to now, Boyd has really stepped it up. I mean, given all the health stuff, I think he has put his mind to it, and I think he's taken care of his body. He's probably done some work, you know, uh, rehabilitation or what, whatever it may be. I don't know. He's he is down. He's so got it going musically. Is, is he your objective MVP, or is he more comeback player of the year, which makes it more impressive? 
Okay, yeah. I mean, he's like he's, I mean, well, like let's say he. Well, he let's has say sounded really good. I mean, let's. let's no, no, not no. I, I got right. I just want to. I'm just trying to say, is that clouding that's like, you? But that's like saying, can a kicker be an MVP? No, no. I'm saying comeback player of the year. I'm saying, like in sports, right? You've got a player who was injured all year on the DR on the uh, the DL, gone all year, comes back and just rips it up. Comeback player of the year. They can also be MVP, certainly. But I'm asking you. Is your MVP award not tainted, but but being pushed in that way because last year was so poor for him, or he had a tough time struggling? Or if he was his normal self last year, would you still say he's MVP this year? Um, I actually would say both. Okay, yeah, fair I, enough. Yeah, I I really think if I think about, I think it's it's skewed because of how where he's come. But then I think about, okay, let me just take just this year, only this year into account. Um. I really think Boyd ha- has done a, an awesome job and killer job. So uh, my mind goes to it's just the first break, all right? Just the first break now. Don't get uh, don't, there's still more <laughs> tour, but uh, Boyd's got mine right now. Okay, fair enough. You uh, do. My MVP is uh, right now none of the band members. It Ooh, is Twitter. What does that mean Twitter. Twitter. And Twitter. I'll tell you why. Because for the first week, two weeks of this tour. The most exciting thing about this band was the stuff going on on Twitter, <laughs> and and that was that was kicking some action around, all this and that, and then that blow up happened, and it kind of I think kind of kicked him in the ass. Because have you would you not say the tour has been markedly better since then? Well, it has I, been, and I actually have some data on that, but I don't want to cut off your cut off your uh, right. your MVP award. Right. So so based on that, I think uh, the whole Twitter. Uh, paradigm has kind of uh shifted things i mean we uh, we talked about it ad nauseum so we don't need to revisit but I, I do think that you know it's not in a vacuum i mean it is in a way but it, it, i think it clearly had impact um and, but wouldn't what that's not fonz that's twitter well but that's not i mean i think if i can speak for you matt I, which i'm very good at so <laughs> yes you are <laughs> let's cut matt off don't you <laughs> Don't you just mean everything that kind of happened? It's not just it's the fan reaction. Also, it's it's the the multitude of fans that tweeted not only at, at Stefan, but at, at at Jeff and even at us yelling at us like we had anything to do with it. Well, yes, everything. Twitter, the medium. That's what I mean. Mm-hmm. Twitter, the medium that enables that kind of whirlwind of fan reaction on both sides of the debate. And yeah, I, and then then that spills over into the band's consciousness. That's that's the key right there. I think Twitter is for sure the MVP for the first four shows, but the MVP for the well, first for the break. And I'm not I'm not saying that the band sucked. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that the band doesn't deserve an MVP award. But I'm just saying you know it's kind of kind of to be the contrarian in this segment actually. But um. I think in terms of impact, uh, that that Twitter duel really really shook things up. Yeah, I, I I wasn't thinking outside the box like that, so I give you some credit. Joe, what do you mean when you say you have some data to back that up about the Twitter thing? Oh, okay. So real quick, um, talking about some crazy stuff. I mean, Ants users do some awesome stuff all the time, but we got or I got or I think they send it to everybody here. Um, s- some data by a guy named Kevin N. And Kevin, I'm sorry, I don't know your username, um, but shout out. He's um, from the Boston area. He, for not having access to like our database, like the data that holds everything, he compiled a review of all the historical shows, tour, f- um, tour flows, the tour flows that we do for each individual show. Flow. Show. Show, flow. Yeah, show flow. Thank you. Show flow. He, he, you don't even know the name of the thing? My God. <laughs> It was a, it was you a, created it, was, it. It was a slip of the tongue, um, but he he compiled all this crazy data. It's it's awesome. I hope he, it's being shared on the boards right now. Uh, but it popped up in my email. And shout out to him. But you know what it said tells a lot of interesting stuff. What what it says is one overall is the show flows have kind of steadily declined over the years. I mean, probably maybe you would expect that. You know, they they it's been a steady decline from the from the older days. But it's got some interesting stuff about, you know, overall, the overall tour average is about a 60. 
And he breaks it down into the first third of the tour, the second third of the tour, and the, the last third. So he breaks it into thirds and calculates, you know, what's the average across those, across all the tours. And turns out that the first third has kind of the worst average um, show flow for across all the tours. And that the last third actually has the highest, which you may expect the band gets grows and gets better. But what's kind of interesting that counters that is he also finds out across all the all the tours, where does the top show happen? Like if we do if you figure out within each tour, where is the top show flow tour? And it turns out the highest rated show actually happens in the middle third. So the kind of like the band, while they steadily progress over the course of the year, there's a spot in the middle of the tour that they just peak at. It's kind of like they're experimenting. They're 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 getting a feel for the sets and their crowd reaction to the songs, and then they catch lightning in a bottle just middle of the tour as they're tinkering and tweaking, and then they kind of settle into the groove and they know what they know what the the the, the crowd likes for the final third, and the final third's got better average, but they hit they capture that lightning in the middle of the tour. I I would I think that's. Put perfectly, I think they energy-wise, you know, uh, creativity-wise, they hit that peak, and like you said, and then they kind of level off. So yeah, it's pretty interesting. It has got a bunch of other things on figuring out, you know, what the um, the top average is around eighty. So if you're getting a show flow that's in the eighty, you've got like one of the top shows. Right. Joe, that's uh, on the forums. Uh, cool, it is. So so uh, no, it is. I mean, do we have any of that? Is that out there being talked about? We, I, I don't. I, I don't think we have not. We have not posted it yet. So uh, we'll have to get in there and and make a thread on that. So by the time you guys listen to this, there'll be some uh, some data feedback that you can that everybody well, listening. Maybe can maybe even put it up that. as a column or, or no, definitely remember in the forum something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot more data there and uh, just absolutely amazing stuff. For like I said, usually this is the kind of stuff that we crank out and. Uh, it's semi easy for us, or it's easier because we have access to the database and we can have the we can have all the servers crunch all these numbers. Uh, but the fact that he pulled all this stuff uh, without even having access to that is pretty cool. So you know he he, he did it to um you know there's a lot of debate going on and and you know should we be overreacting or not overreacting? Wanted to have some data behind it. So um, just some cool stuff uh, that we'll have to uh, we can talk further about or let the uh, let the forums talk about. So cool. what that means is that we are literally in the realm where the best show of the tour is fixing to happen. Mm-hmm. That would be from Camden, which is Friday night. We're recording this on the 25th of Thursday, by the way, in June. And tomorrow night, 26th, is the Camden show up until West Palm Beach night two, which is August 1st. So we are in the midst of the fixing to happen show. Yeah, yeah. it'll be interesting to see who uh, what show gets it. Cool. You know, it'd be pretty funny if he actually hacked into our database and just like got all the stuff really simply. <laughs> I think that's what's going on. That's what we're gonna find it. It's like, oh yeah, you guys didn't know you had this back door here that I could just access all your uh, all your database. I don't think I'd be laughing. <laughs> no, I I'm laughing, but a pain laugh. <laughs> well, we have Twitter questions, don't we? Yes. Do we want to take a break or just go straight into ah, it? Hell with it. Let's just take. It. Let's just go. Let's do it. Let's go with it. Who's Wait. got one? Who's got one ready to go? I think Jake probably. You want does. me to read them? Yeah, I'll let's read, read them off to you. Give us one. Okay, let me let me see where we start. Oh, let's just knock this one out real quick because uh, there's this question comes up a lot, um, a lot, a lot. Uh, the question is from I can't read it out. His name's Chris. That's all that matters. Any idea who the opening act is for Saturday's Camden, New Jersey show? Joe, who's the <laughs> opening act? Man by the name of Dave Matthews Band. Believe it or not, this happens a lot. The people, a lot of the people aren't getting the whole two sets thing. Is literally just the Dave Matthews Band. So if you have friends going to the show, you can tell them it's okay. It's it is confusing because you might expect there to be an opening act because everybody has an opening act. There will, is no opening act. It's just DMB. I have gotten asked that multiple times this year. Also, usually in the uh, usually tailgating, somebody will ask, "Hey, who's the opener?" Um, so it, it is that it might also it be asked tweeted, like. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, it's tweeted at the Ants account every other show, literally. Yeah. Well, we need to do our part and get the word out. I, I can see a tailgate question just being an automatic reaction. Like, I might say that to you, tailgating. Just because it's just such a, a second nature at a concert, yeah. right? Oh, you just spit it out. What it, but real quick on that, it's really interesting is the, the show flow or the, the flow of the show has kind of <laughs> changed here lately where – instead of having the E1 spot be a Dave solo, the kind of thing that's developing now is two uh, Dave solo 
um, sh songs to start the acoustic set, and then a Dave and Tim song, and then there's no longer a Dave solo E1 spot. So kind of a, that's kind of developed and seems to be pretty much the trend now is that um, you know it's going to be two Dave solo songs and a Dave and Tim song to uh, kick off the show. Can you say Dave solo show flow? Five times fast? <laughs> no, don't even make me try. Um, What's another question? I think we have a lot of Matt, questions. Gonna, Maybe we can get through them. Maybe we get through a bunch of them. Quickly. We're gonna knock them out. I can, I can feel it. Matt, I'm gonna throw this one over to you first. Mm. This is from our good friend R. Simmons because this is your former um, home venue. Will um, Bella Fleck at SPAC on the fourth be an unmatched show or a big disappointment? And it says odds of. I don't know who that is. Abigail Washburn. I would say That's that wife. all depends on how much you hype it up. So don't expect a 32-minute 41 with the improv I never flew before kind of spoken word jam. Um, but you're you're going you. I would think you're gonna get last stop. You got to get your banjo songs right. Um, you know I mean, you would hope so, right? But he didn't play. He guessed it on two shows last year. Did not yep. play last stop. Yep. Yeah, I, I mean, well, you got to get Cornbread and Spaceman. Ugh. Um, yeah. I, maybe, 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 he's, maybe he guests on a new song on the album, and maybe we get a new song that he's participating that'd in. That'd be cool. Or maybe it'll just be Can't Stop Both Nights. <laughs> maybe, maybe he'll play on Be Yourself. That'd be great. Um, uh, I, SPAC is going to, they're going to be two good shows, most likely. Most and um, you might not get something wild. Maybe even last stop with Bella kind of falls into that, into that category. Yeah, I guess. But um, I, I still don't see how they're going to have him pre-announced, you know, guesting, and then have him, you know, do Caveman three nights in a row out there. I just don't see it. It's gonna be a good show. Cool. Uh, I agree. Joe uh, George Petty wants to know: Are the ladies gone for good? You mm. go to all the shows. <laughs> and I talked to the ladies. We're just texting a little bit ago. Um, no, I can't feel like they're going to be gone. They're going to with with be yourself. The, uh, they'll, they'll be back to sing that again. So um, I don't know if that is that answer gets you excited or that answer depresses you. But that's going to be the answer. Matt, our good friend Jeffrey G wants to know where in Southern California or SoCal, as the kids like to say, the band play next year with Irvine closing. And I pose this question to you because you're out <laughs> of the West Coast. I, because I'm in the same time zone? <laughs> <laughs> Don't you know that area really well? Uh, but I, I think a bigger question is, can they move someplace bigger or someplace smaller? I think is really the question. Talk about Irvine? How big is Irvine? Um, average size for where the band plays now. Good answer. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I, between seventeen thousand and nineteen thousand. Mm. Uh, I mean, there's that's San Diego uh, or LA. 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 Oh, they could they could play uh they could play the StubHub Center. I mean, that's twenty five. I think uh, that's where the Galaxy and uh, Chivas yeah. USA used to play. Um, other than that, I, I really don't know. I just don't know California venues all that well. I've, I've never uh, seen a concert down there. I would say if, um, if, if it, there's at all a trend, other cities that have had a venue close have not fared very well. Mm. So, um, then again, that's not, those other cities are not LA, right? True. Yeah. They're not, they're not major cities, but I mean, uh, no, was, I I was just gonna say you're you're right, and if you think back at places like that, um, yeah, it, it does not bode well. So, good point. Uh, Corey D. Unis, I'm gonna answer this question. Besides the nomenclature, which is one of my favorite words, what is the difference between live tracks and DMB live releases? That's a great question. This is a great question. It's actually one of my favorite questions too. DMB live are two track recordings. What that means is. Dave's voice is on one track and the entire band is on the other track. So the mixing can only be done with Dave's voice going up or down and the volume of the entire band going up or down. That's it. 
So those are older shows. That's a, a, I would say, for lack of a better term, less sophisticated recording mechanism. What are we talking Around about, 95 and back? 95 and back. Although every show automatically gets a, a two-track recording, period. But after 1995, the band well, inherited <laughs> the, uh, the multi-track recording system that was by the Grateful Dead. The Grateful Dead essentially gave it to them. And from 1996 on, every show was recorded multi-track. Multi-track means every single person has their own recording. So you can fade up and down on every single person plus Dave's voice. So Boyd has his own track. Carter has his own track and so on and so forth. Um, we you have, get a little we more. We have two 96s, though, that are, that are um, D&B lives. Correct. Well, because – and the reason you have that and you have – and you can potentially have others – is there's a couple different reasons. One, there could be something wrong with the master. It could just be bad. One of the recordings could have gone, you know, it just happens. It's a, it's a machine, and sometimes machines make mistakes. So it could be that, or it could be something more technical where the two-track is already put together so well, they're just like, well, let's not even bother remixing it. It's already there. It sounds good. So I don't know what the case was on, on any of the 1996 recordings. But that's a possibility, too. Essentially, from past 96, everything that's going to be released is going to be a live tracks. It's going to be the multi-mix where someone is going to professionally fix all the levels and such. Those are the two big differences. What a great question, though, because I, you know, even though I knew the answer, Jake, I still like hearing it because I think it's such a fascinating. Well, we still will. We have live tracks that are older. We, there are live tracks that are older. In fact, those a lot of times in the liner notes called on Jake the older live tracks, they'll actually, <laughs> well, they, they actually mention how they were recorded. Like in 1995, I believe it's live tracks 21. It's a 1995 show from San Diego. Mm-hmm. And the guy who ran the board for the Grateful Dead was in San Diego. So he came, brought his board and recorded the show. So that's mm-hmm. how that one was done. The 1993 show from the wetlands, the wetlands had a multi- a uh, track recorder right there at the wetlands. So that show was recorded multi. So yeah, you, you know, do have just, some things like that. If if you're a fan of this band and you're you're geeked out on legacy stuff and history, this that's just such a great question and a great topic to 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 discuss. I I'm super fascinated by it. Mm-hmm. If, if you if you ever see a live tracks come out from essentially before 1995 you know, you're getting what DMB really sounded like back in the day, right there, the actual essence Mix. of the beginning of the band. It's it's amazing. There's there is a couple recordings that are multi-tracked from years individually. If you go back and look at the warehouse discs, there's three songs I think released from nineteen ninety four. There was a pay for what you get and there was also uh Lionar Graves and Minarets that were from the same one a couple years ago. They were from a nineteen ninety four show. And there's also a couple from 1993. There was a Granny multi-track recording and also Ants Marching from a couple of years ago that were released. So that kind of gives you a sense of what it was. If you have access to the warehouse discs, you can really hear what the band sounded like back in the day. Mm. And it's, it, you could see why they made it. It's yeah. Interesting. I would like Speaking to do a Jake history that, session on this podcast. Well, I would. I, I'm serious. I think that'd be awesome. And an off tour, an off tour thing. Yeah. Between tour, maybe okay. between the U.S. tour and the international. Maybe like Jake's Jake's like bedtime stories where Santa sits in his in his chair and gets the hearth going and starts, you know, on this day, kiddies. <laughs> I remember back when Seattle Slough was running for that Triple Crown in '77. <laughs> on that day, you know, Dave was in Carter's basement. And <laughs> um, here's a good question that Matt can answer uh, from looks like Boiler or something. Um, well, DMB put out a new album by March of 2016. No. Well, wait, wait, wait. What date? March what? No. March 34th. No. <laughs> no. Nope. No is the answer. Joe, Joe, do you agree? I agree. If you had a fall release, which is pretty much all you're going to get if it's not 2016, you'd be hearing rumblings about it already. Certainly, they're working on something, but I think, I think best case scenario, you look at April 2016, but probably next summer. I, I think that's fair given the history of things that we've seen before. Um, 
I, think, I would agree. With I think it, I think in April's in the cards. I mean, I don't think March is like too far off. I mean, I I think April's in the cards. So you say absolutely not March, but April maybe. Yeah, I think that's. It's, I think you're crazy because you're only talking a difference of a day right there. How can you be <laughs> so certain? That no way, March, and I think yeah, April's probable. <laughs> I just feel like the flow of uh, maybe not, maybe not. That's right. Check yourself. Well, they normally announce what tour dates in February. Well, no, uh, they've they've done them in, in January for the last couple, yeah, I believe. Of, end of end of January, you know, beginning of February. Yeah, I'm just trying to think in related to that. I, I want to say, yeah, I want to say, I think April's still on the table. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, um, go ahead, Jake. Is the I'm, next I'm is the next question it. when? When is this podcast going to end? Because I'm going to tweet and say that and ask that, actually. So I hope that goes to the top of the list. Make sure you use the hashtag. <laughs> We're going to do two more quick questions. Um, I'm cool. going to answer this one really, really quickly. This is from uh, whatever, DL, Dells, or something like that. Why have no At The Garden shows been released or live tracks? I believe that would be Madison Square Garden. This is another question that comes up, and apparently there's rumors all over the board that you have to pay a licensing fee and all this stuff to Madison Square Garden for show to be released. I have no idea. I, I don't think it has anything to do with that personally. Um, I just think that they haven't released them because they haven't released them. You know, they haven't played the Garden since '02. Um, there hasn't been that many '02 shows released. You know, there's not a lot from the '90s that come out, although the last couple have been from the '90s. Um, I, I don't think there's any nefarious reason behind I mean it. fish just... fish releases Madison Square Garden shows like their New Year's Eve stuff exactly so I, I don't think it has anything to do with it last question this is for uh, Joe M because he goes to all the shows uh, this oh. is from uh, Carrillo 41 it looks like a Carrillo 41 pardon me uh, do you think the warehouse will ever go back to seniority for seat assignments Ooh, a touchy Ooh. touchy subject this is a a very this is the probably the tailgate debate topic and um i probably have a controversial answer to it and i won't actually even say it on the podcast i'll say oh. it for for you to to ask me in the lots but do i ever think they will go back i actually think for very rare shows like album release shows it, it actually does get used now whether or not how does it get used and if it'll ever get used for other shows and other feedback i will reserve to you can ask me in person Wow. wow! What don't you, you, you? Wow! Like there's something like there's something wrong. I haven't said anything yet. I mean that that sounds pretty. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's that's mysterious right there. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean. I I, I think it, this is the ultimate tailgate debate question, and I enjoy I enjoy having it, and I don't. It sounds I, like you're trying to non-organically, artificially pump up tailgate attendance or maybe you're if are you starting to charge autograph no, fees so you're I, probably I trying to drive I more traffic there i literally enjoy this debate and i think if i give my side of the debate now that it's 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 no fun oh, you think anybody's it. listening yeah well maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe somebody will listen to this podcast once um but i i i like to debate this this is a good topic and uh you guys can give your answer you but, are uh, a master debater no doubt about it <laughs> I, I don't think it's coming back. I'll keep it short and sweet so we can get how, out of here. I how, don't think it's how coming do you, back. How do you do it? <laughs> I, I totally can appreciate their dilemma, right? You, The whole point of the warehouse is to get members, right, to, to get a membership. How can you continue to, to sell new memberships when you pretty much can go out and say, oh, if you haven't bought a membership in the last six years, you're screwed, is really what they'd be telling you pure seniority-wise. So I so that comes up in debate. I get that, and then on the other side, I say, well, "What the hell? I've been pieing it for fifteen years, or whatever it is. How uh, how can you know? True point, absolutely fair point as well. It's it's an impossible no win situation for warehouse. I don't envy them at all. Yep, yep, tough spot to be in. Well, I, I get there's other questions. We'll have to get to them next time. There, but thank you for all the good questions. I think we get to a few more. Uh, each time we do a pod, so hopefully we can get more efficient at these. But yeah, keep I, them coming in. I, I agree, Joe. I'd like to I'd like to break that segment off and just and just come in with a, a half hour Twitter question thing right at the tail end of these. But yeah, people got good questions. Like really good. Yeah. 
Thank you, yeah, guys. We're going to save one of these for next time. I can already see it. We'll talk about cool. it when we get done. Oh, one thing I want to note <clears throat> when I was saying um, the, the Cincinnati Halloween uh, debate there that uh, there had been 21 shows. If you go to Tour Central and you click on the name of a, of a venue, <clears throat> it gives you over like the high-level overview of the album breakdown of song of songs that have been played at that at that venue of all time. But there's also a link that says venue song stats. You click that and you actually see the by album breakdown of all the songs and how many times they've been played at that venue of all time. So it just just in case you know you haven't stumbled across that, you start digging around and clicking around on Tour Central. It, there's a lot of information down there and a lot of analysis that's uh, pretty cool to check out. And there, I hope to have a new feature to be released by the next podcast. It's it's almost there, but uh, stay tuned. Listen to the next podcast. Hopefully, I can share the new stuff. The new nice. stuff. All right, well, guys, hey, everybody, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. Jake, did you have anything else to add? Nope, that'll do it. We'll see you guys next time. Sounds good, guys. Thanks for listening to the AntsMarching.org podcast. Visit AntsMarching.org and be part of the largest DMB community on the Internet. Show downloads, tour central, personal show stats, and set list game, and so much more. AntsMarching.org, the best stop for all things DMB. Trouble.